from Odessa, Texas. I am Gian, the founding pastor of Victory Church, and the service of this morning is Saving Time. Isn't it something? <laughs> Saving Time, Worship Service 281, March 13, 2022, from Odessa, Texas. We are going to worship the Lord with this beautiful reflection, but before that, I invite you to go to our website, thechurch.us, download the bulletin, or if you are able to do it with your phone, you're watching through a beautiful big TV in the comfort of your home, just open the camera, point towards the QR code, and download the bulletin of this teaching. I want to thank you for your support, especially to our dear, beautiful members, church members. But if you are interested in helping us to support this ministry, what if you go to vchurch.us forward slash give? But if you are one of those persons that are very into technology, just text 432-268-0007. The system will help you. Just indicate the amount and you will see. Thank you, beautiful church members, for your support. You are wonderful. Thank you for helping us, Sebastian and Tracy. Tracy is a little bit ill, struggling with throat problems, but she will be back soon. Anyways, we are here ready to worship the name of our Lord through the Word of God. Saving time. Well, today is important. We are changing the time here in the U.S. Do you know that in 1895, George Hudson, an entomologist from New Zealand, came up with the modern concept of daily saving, daylight saving time. He proposed a two-hour shift, so he would have more after-work hours of sunshine to go bug hunting in the summer. <laughs> Isn't it something? Hudson suggested moving clocks ahead two hours in October, and then a two-hour shift back in March. But it was during World War I that daylight saving was first practically used. In 1916, locations within the German Empire set clocks ahead one hour in an effort to, to use less power of lightning and to save fuel for the war effort. How about that? In America, however, daylight saving time was first used in 19. 18, when a bill introduced the idea of a seasonal time shift. During World War II, President Franklin Roosevelt reestablished the idea. Wartime began in February 1942. The Uniform Time Act of 1966 established the idea of regulating a yearly time change called daily saving time. So all this because somebody wanted to go bug hunting in the summer. <laughs> the question today is, is it functional? Really? To what degree is functional? So we know that today schedules related work, operational, etc. They have nothing to do with necessarily daylight. It's, it's all based on productivity. To a certain degree, probably, it's functional. But uh, the truth of the matter is, at the end, everybody has the same 24 hours. Every company has the same 24 hours. So what do we do with those 24 hours? 
do we really save energy? To what degree? The point is, you personally, personally have the same 24 hours now or in the summer or in any other part of the year. Isn't it true? What do you do with those 24 hours? Are you really saving time? You know what is the key? It's learning to, pri to put priorities in your schedule. And that is hard, isn't it? It's very hard because somehow we want to feel free. We want to fe feel like a, like a free bird flying wherever you want. Isn't it true? But uh, not necessarily is that simple, right? Because there are priorities and we have to fulfill our responsibilities. And when, when you are working on that schedule, you know, you have your priorities. You are focused most of the time, right? But what happens when you are so focused on a task and you receive, uh, for example, communication, there are interruptions from people that are interested in knowing some things or tell you some things. What do you do? You know, some people are able to manage the pressure of receiving interruptions, having interruptions, and they say, I'll deal with that later. I keep focused. Others are not like that. They are just trying to do the task, and when the interruptions come, they just say, I give up. I cannot do this. You know, it's all based on personalities. On the other hand, you have the person that is so focused that gets really upset and can tell probably things not too nicely to the rest. The bottom line is that there are individuals that get offended when you are so focused on your tasks, on your priorities. But what do you do really? When there are urgent texts, phone calls, emails, or if there is a visitor, what do you do? You know, in life you have to learn also to be flexible. As you are focused on your job, as you are focused on your assignments, on your tasks, you have to learn to be flexible. Very important to be flexible and learn to handle your anger. We are going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but let me ask you one more question. It's about deadlines of your projects or due dates to present certain documents, paperwork, or payments. What do you do with all those deadlines and due dates. You know, there is where you are thinking, well, priorities are important because when you follow the priorities, you will be able to fulfill your responsibilities. That will make you a responsible person. So, are you a responsible person? Do you feel that you are responsible because you can deliver whatever is what you deliver? whether it's online, whether it's in person, whatever is what you do, are you responsible to provide whatever you are being hired to do? Do you do your job on time? Do you present your reports, your products, your services, everything? Is everything done the right way at the right time? That probably will tell you if you are or not a responsible person. But today I want to share with you a 
particular story in the Bible that talks about saving time, talks about responsibilities in human interaction. Well, it sounds like life, right? And this is the story of two sisters in trouble. And you probably know the story as soon as I tell you that the two sisters are Mary and Martha. Martha and Mary, two women, very, very close friends with the Lord Jesus. They have a brother, Lazarus, and the guy got sick. So well, while they are sick, when he is sick, those two ladies are concerned. They decide, well, you know what? We need to call our friend. We have, we have connections, you know? If Martha and Mary were from New York, probably they would say, I know a guy, right? <laughs> I know a guy. They were thinking, we have connections. I have connections, you know? With whom, they ask? With Jesus. Jesus is our friend. Do you know how many miracles Jesus has done? You know, we are good. We are not concerned. Who knows what kind of conversations they have with their friends or relatives, but the thing is, they let the Lord Jesus know. And uh, here's where the story gets very interesting. So John chapter 11 tells you the story. You can read the whole uh, chapter from verse 1 through 44. It's interesting, the details, but I'm going to extract some of those passages to share with you interesting moments of the story. So here is the first interesting part to me. And we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, you, you what? <laughs> yeah, we are going to stay here a little bit longer. That was what the Lord Jesus said to the disciples. Okay, let me see if, if we, let me see Jesus, Lord, Master, Teacher. Let's see if we are understanding this clearly. You love Lazarus, right? Yes. And you are good friends with Martha and Mary. Yes? Yes, I am. And you care for them, right? Yes, I do. Okay, so tell us, how is it that even though he is sick, and apparently it's a serious matter because otherwise they will not uh, let you know. Why is it that you want to stay? Why you don't go right away? Or I remember, Jesus, that you even have gave orders just saying, saying the word and people got healed. So what's going on? And the Lord Jesus just told them, well, this is not an issue that is going to end bad. Actually, this is going to bring glory to God. This is going to be good, Jesus said. Well, while Jesus was talking with the disciples about this, they said, okay, but that, that's good. Okay, good to know they were at peace. But there was a moment, of course, when the disciples stayed by themselves. Jesus was not there, chose the disciples. Can you imagine the conversations with those disciples? Some of them probably saying, how long do you think we're going to stay here? Because if Lazarus is sick, 
if we don't go back quickly, he might die. Somebody might say, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. You know, good thinking, good thinking. Maybe we need to tell Jesus that we need to come back. Somebody might say, yeah, maybe he's miscalculating. Somebody else might say, I don't know, maybe he wasn't paying attention to the severity of the situation. Somebody might say, what if we tell them? What if we just give them a friendly reminder? Who knows what the disciples were saying? But one thing I can guarantee you, my friend, is this. When you are in the midst of your trouble and you say your prayers, you want Jesus, you want the Lord God to come to you immediately, immediately, right away. That's what you want. Whatever the situation is, you just expect. Because you are close to the Lord God, because you are good friends with Him, because He loves you, you think a prayer is going to bring the result to your life immediately. The truth is not always is exactly that way. Now, for all, on the other hand, I want you to think, what was happening? What was happening in Jesus's mind during the time that they stay in that place, and Jesus was by himself? He was thinking about many things, of course. And one of those things that he was thinking was Lazarus and Martha and Mary, the friends, the family, the disciples, himself. He knew going back to Jerusalem probably would not be a good idea or whatever they were. He knew about the consequences, what will happen to him eventually. He was considering all those factors. For a moment, I would like you to see this story from other perspective. Not you and the Lord when you are in trouble. I want you to see this story also between Somebody that you know and you. Somebody that you know in trouble and you. And you have the solution. You have the answer. You have the resources to provide to this person in need, whatever it is what this person needs. But you are waiting for the right time. So just imagine for a moment that kind of situation. Maybe one of your children a friend, a relative, somebody, and you have decided that you will help. But you are thinking, for whatever reason, you are thinking, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to do that. When you have the solution, when you have the power to help somebody, and you know that you can fix that problem, no matter what the problem is, you know that you can fix that problem for somebody. You will do it in your time. No matter how much you love this person that is asking for your help, and it doesn't matter how much this person loves you, for some reason, when you are in control, when you have the authority, the power to fix that situation, you will do it when you say. That, that is the advantage or simply that is what happens when you have authority. You decide. And as such, you will 
provide, grant, give, fix the problem for that person whenever you say. That is very important to understand in this story. Why? Because it applies entirely to you and any given time when you are in trouble. Why? Because when you are in trouble and you need help and you know that the one who has the authority, the power, the resources, the ability to fix the situation is the Lord God, you have to understand that it is entirely up to him when and how he will handle the situation. Now, if you go back for a moment again to this hypothetical scenario where it's you trying to help a child, a nephew, a niece, a brother, a sister, a friend, a relative, whomever, and this person that is asking for help pushes you and pushes you in the wrong way, demanding, not in a loving way, not in, not in a kind, humble way, you probably will consider the possibility of saying, no, I'm not going to do it to you because you are disrespecting me. That is very important to see as well. When you are in need, when you are in trouble, when you have a situation that requires the intervention of God, He is the authority. He has the, the power, the resources. He knows when and how He will fix the problem and help you. Keep in mind, do not disrespect Him, but wait. Right now, I don't know what kind of problems you have, but the Lord will help you. His way, in His time. Not when you say it, not how you say it. Because you are not the one in control, it's the Lord God. Very important to see. Okay. God's time is everything, my friend. For example, giving birth. It's such a beautiful moment. You know, we experience uh, the death of relatives, we see the sadness of people dying around us. But in the process of life, also, there are babies being born. There are many new humans being conceived every single day. And I don't know how many babies are born every, every single day in the whole world, but I don't think there are just a few. However, Every single baby comes in the right time. And maybe you, as a parent, or knowing the particular case of a baby in trouble, for example, or parents in trouble, you just don't get it. You disagree, maybe. But I promise you this. Everything that happens on earth is in perfect, perfect God's time. Because the Lord God is the authority. He is the king of the universe. And that is the main problem that so many people have today. They don't want to acknowledge how sovereign God is, his power, and how he really rules the world and the whole universe. He is the king of the universe. But returning to the story and what was happening out there, 
eventually the Lord Jesus wants to return and he tells the disciples. And here's one of these classic stories where Thomas says, yeah, let's go there. They will kill you so we can die as well. You know, the negative person, which always is part of the stories of our lives. Are you that negative person? <laughs> I hope you are not. But the thing is, they decide to come back. So here is the Lord Jesus, right? Arriving to the scenery. And this is the problem. They don't know at that point that Lazarus is dead. Well, the Lord knows it. He knows everything. But the disciples don't. And there is chaos there. And here is what the first lady in this, in this scene, in this scene <laughs> speaks, Martha. So she says in John eleven twenty one, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How about that? How would you feel if someone talks to you that way? Okay, but that's not all. Then it's Mary. She also said something very similar, but she also bowed at his feet. And do you realize how, how that would feel for Jesus? Mary is at his feet. And then she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, my gosh. You can't imagine all the disciples around. The disciples are devastated. They are just thinking, he failed. He failed. It's his fault, maybe. We told him. And, you know, can you imagine the gossip, perhaps, right? Some interesting things are happening here. And let's start with the first one, which is the blame attack. You know, when, when we are going through difficulties in life, it's very common that we will start to see the blame attack coming up quickly, quickly. Because somebody wants to know who did this. I want to know. Because the idea that we have is it's someone's fault and that person is going to pay for it. In the midst of our problems, the blame attack trying to find who is responsible for, who's, whose fault is this, and immediately trying, trying to blame somebody is the common reaction. But we can see that all these situations that are happening around us are allowed by the good Lord because he has a plan. Right now, whatever kind of problems you are going through, and you have prayed, and you have believed that God will intervene, but didn't intervene. And then you lost this or you lost that. And then somehow you are probably blaming somebody, even blaming God. Somebody didn't do his job. That is very common. Now, precisely for that reason, next Sunday I'm going to talk to you about the angry redhead. That will be for the worship service 282 here in Victory Church, March 20th. The red angry head. Because this has to do entirely with the issue that we are talking here right now. When the blame attack and people are starting to blame somebody, of course, there are so many people that get hurt. 
Do you know that the shortest verse in the Bible is John 11.35? Only two words. Jesus Christ. It's the shortest verse in the whole scripture. Among all the 66 books in the Bible. I don't know how many verses are in the Bible. I really don't know. But there are thousands. In the shorts, the shortest of all is John 11.35. Jesus Christ. Two words. Two words that have a lot of meaning. That today I want us to, to discuss. Okay? I want you and I to discuss this Jesus Christ verse. Because it's important. It's important for you that you will see how the, the Lord God really cares. How the Lord God really cries. Did you hear that? The Lord God really cries. He can be so sad in some points by looking at what's going on in your life that he cries. You have to see this, how, how precious it is that the creator of heaven and earth, the king of the universe, the one with authority above all things that we see and we can't see, he can cry. Because he has feelings as you have feelings. He can be so cheerful as you can be, so happy as you can be, and upset sometimes but also sad to the point of crying. Now, why did the Lord Jesus cry? We can speculate here many reasons, probably thinking how sad is this, <laughs> you know, is one way to see it. But many other people, especially scholars, they have theories that are interesting. Theories, theories like saying that Jesus was overwhelmed to see the pain of death in humans. To see firsthand in the life of people that he loved personally as a human being. Suffering for the death of somebody. Interesting point. Others, they believe that the reason why the Lord Jesus cried is because he was frustrated. That the disciples... And Martha and Mary, they couldn't see that he was able to bring Lazarus back to life. So there are many angles to this point. But I think that all of them are interesting points. In reference to your personal life today, I want you to know that the moment, the day that you are devastated, crying in a room, because you feel hopeless. You feel that there is no solution for your life. Perhaps you are so sick. Or perhaps you are so broke. Broken hearted. Because you are jobless. Or because you don't have anybody with you. Because you don't see any hope in the world. Or you don't see any hope for your future. Regardless of your situation. When you are so sad. Alone and feel abandoned. I want you to know my friend. That Jesus cares. And he can even cry with you. Because he loves you. That's the bottom line. 
The Lord Jesus cried because he loved everybody. He loved Lazarus, Martha, Mary, the disciples. It was out of love. But the good news is he always has a plan for everybody. He always has a solution. So let's read in John 11 from verses 39 through 44 what happened. Jesus said, move the stone away. Martha said, but Lord, it has been four days since Lazarus died. (laughs) There will be a bad smell. Then Jesus said to her, remember what I told you. I said that if you believed, you would see God's divine greatness. So they moved the stone away from the entrance. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you are you always hear me. But I said these things because of the people here around. I want them to believe that you sent me. After Jesus said this, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with pieces of cloth. He had a handkerchief covering his face. Believe to see God's divine greatness, my friend. Out of so many miracles that the Lord Jesus did, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel that this probably will be one that I would like to be there as a witness. I just would love to see that. It, it, it probably is because the fact that we know that Jesus conquered the grave himself. So we know the story. Eventually the Lord was crucified and then he fought for us, defeat and conquered death and the grave and he came back to life. So we know that. But I, I think it will be beautiful. Just beautiful to be there with Jesus and the disciples and Martha and Mary and then hearing the Lord Jesus saying with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I imagine the voice of Jesus quite often. I imagine hearing the voice of God. What is the sound of his voice? I I read the word of God and I hear his voice in my heart. I receive orders from God about this and that, and I hear the words, and I know, I recognize when he's talking to me. But honestly, the audible, listening to the voice of the king of the universe is, is as precious as imagined the moment of looking into his eyes for real, or holding his hand or being able to receive from him a touch in my face, telling me, I love you. I know he loves me. But the, the real action of being there, can you, can you imagine this? And by hearing, not just hearing his voice, but yelling in a loud voice. You know, you hear people yelling all the time because they are upset. 
and you hear people loud arguing and fighting. You hear sometimes people loud in the stadiums and in big concerts and events. But the Son of God being loud, yelling, Lazarus, come out. <laughs> Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. Come out. Bringing back to life someone that was dead. And he was wrapped in clothes. How in the world did he get out where he was? We just don't know. We imagine that he was kind of jumping or who knows. But the point is, he came out. He came out. The Lord said to Martha, remember my words. I told you, if you believe, you will see God's divine greatness. And my friend, that is your challenge today. Do you need a miracle of healing? Do you need God's divine intervention in your life? Believe. There is no other requirement. You don't have to do this or that. Just believe. Believe. You wake up believing. You go to bed in the night believing. You are going to eat believing. You are driving believing. You give to the Lord believing. You serve God believing. You say your prayers believing. And you keep quiet believing. You sit down watching the preacher believing. You pay attention to the preaching believing. Believing is this powerful thing that you cannot find in any other place but in the kingdom of God. The power and the energy of faith that comes by hearing the word of God when the Holy Spirit touches you. Right, right now, the Holy Spirit is touching you. But I want to ask you something before I continue with this idea is, do you mess things up because you are impatient? You're in the middle of a trouble and then suddenly you start to believe and you say, okay, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. But the problem is you don't want to wait. And you know, the, the three ways that you mess things up when you, when you are asking for a miracle, you want to believe, but you, you mess things up. Number one is for the way that you are responding. Sometimes you, you are responding in a harsh way. You are in need of something and somebody says to you, uh, how can I help you? And then the, the reply is so nasty, so unpolite, how people can, can help you. Or sometimes you are re-questioning instead of letting the person tell you if they can or they cannot help you. Because you push and push and push. You are not able to wait, and as a result of that, you start doing things, and all that you are trying to do is help, but it's just too much initiative. 
the middle of your problems, if there is something that you need to learn is to wait. You have to wait. You have to learn to wait on the Lord. Because He knows what He's doing. You, you don't see it right now. I know you don't. I know you want the solution right away. I know you called Jesus. You told Lazarus is sick. Come here right now. And now Lazarus is dead, right? Whatever the problem is. And you think is, there is no solution. But you, you don't know. You just don't know what the Lord can do in your life. But you have to wait on the Lord. And while you are waiting, you are showing that you trust in Him. How do you show that you are trusting in God, my friend? Well, first, because you have faith and you feel it. And of course, there is a battle in your mind, but, but, you, but you win the battle in your mind because you continue believing, reading the Word, believing, and eventually you will say it. You say the things. You say, you know, the Lord is going to do something for me. I know He will provide. I know He will heal me. I know He will do this. He will do that. I am trusting in the Lord. I will believe all my life until the last moment of my life. I'm going to believe that He will save me, that He will help me, that He will provide. He will do the miracle that I need. And while you believe and you say it, you do your part. You take steps of faith and you say, no, I know the Lord will do this. And whatever is what you need to do, you will do it but out of faith, not out of pressure. That's the big difference. You are believing that He will do it. You, you know it in your heart. You say it and you praise God and you do your part. Trusting in God that He will provide the miracle you need in your life, my friend. As soon as Lazarus, as Lazarus is outside, then the Lord Jesus said, take the cloth off him and let him go. The Lord Jesus didn't go and he unwrapped Lazarus himself. Mm -mm. He sent his disciples. Go and take the cloth off of him and let him go. Because there is a need for teamwork. And that is the other challenge you have. You have to, to work as a team player in the kingdom of God. You by yourself alone is not going to work. In the kingdom of God is, is the people of the kingdom working together. We need one another. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of understanding that it's not just your life, what matters, is the kingdom of God what matters. Therefore, you have to connect and reconnect, if it's necessary, with the church. Teamwork, my friend. One person praying for the other. One other exhorting, encouraging somebody else. Somebody providing this, providing that. Teamwork, teamwork. Lazarus, come out! The Lord Jesus said. In that, my friend, it's God's order. For one moment, let me take you to the moment of creation. Do you know that it was God's word 
that made everything possible. He ordered light, water, animals, humans, just by the order, the command of his voice. He is the ultimate authority in the universe. He sustained the universe. He controls the universe. You don't see it. You can't process that. How is it possible, you think, that God is in full control? I just see so much evil in the world. Look what is going on in the world. Wars and illnesses and this and that. How is it possible that God is in control? Well, he is. There is a chaos that is contained because in the whole universe, there is a plan that is in March. There is a plan on all this. But the important thing right now is not about what's going on in the world. It's what's going on in your life. You need a miracle. The Lord will give you the miracle. And He, the Lord God, can give the order. Now, I want you to understand that when the Lord wants to bless you, He wants to give you three things. The first thing He wants you to have life. Lazarus, come out. You have to come back to life. To be alive again, my friend. You have to stop being dead in your mind, being dead in your feelings, being dead in your faith. You need to come back to life. Because you need restoration. You need to be redone all over again. A total restoration in your life, in your mind, in your way of thinking, in your way of talking. Because the Lord God wants to give you new beginnings. Which means what? That you will start all over again. And you have to do it again and again all the time. Every day His mercies are new. Every day you have the opportunity to start all over again. That is the desire of the good Lord. And He will do it through His Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is right now upon you. The Spirit of God is embracing you. It's like a cloud of glory that wants to change you, my friend. Soften your heart. Let Him come in. Stop fighting with God. Stop fighting with the, the rest. Stop fighting with yourself. Stop fighting. Give up. Surrender. The Holy Spirit is there with you, trying to come inside of you because He wants to give you that life to restore you, to have a new beginning. Let Him do it. And one thing that He will do as He touches you is to heal you. So I'm going to take my time now to pray for healing in your life, to pray that you will receive the healing, not just in your body, but in your mind and in your emotions and your soul. So I, I want to tell you that right now there is someone that is watching that is so sad. You have heard me and somehow it makes sense what I say to you, but it seems that you can get out of that. Snap out of it. Just like that. Just like that, my friend. 
that sadness is somehow is like a bubble and you think that you are in this bubble inside of the bubble that you cannot get out you can see everything they can see you but there is a bubble right if you only knew that the only thing that you have to do is just to poke it in the name of Jesus and the sadness is going to go away and you will be free again my friend you will be able to smile you will be able to laugh you will be able to enjoy life because God wants you to experience those things it's not about stuff it's not about the things it is not even about people it's about him inside of you him leading you him showing you what is what really matters in this life you are healed no more sadness for you no more sorrow shake it off shake it off you're free you're healed totally healed there is someone the lord shows me someone that has been having trouble with his teeth big problems on the teeth and you have refused going to the dentist because you say you don't have any money well there's the two things the lord is telling me to tell you one is that he is going to heal you he will heal you and you will see it in a matter of weeks but the lord says that you need to go to the dentist the dentist will work with you they will work with you you need to get out of your house and go to see the dentist you will experience a miracle provision and healing things that you don't believe that can happen to you will because he loves you and and i know you are crying right now because you know this is for you don't forget to share this testimony with me okay the lord is touching you and healing you my friend i know that there is a person also that have been paralyzed both legs paralyzed you have not been able to move your legs and the lord is healing you right now you will start to feel something like electricity touching your feet slowly it's like a electroshock if you like some electricity coming from your toes warming up your feet the lord is healing you through that move your toes there you go you see that miracle i see the miracle i see you moving your feet it's going to your ankles and now it's touching your calves The Lord is restoring you. You are not going to be paralyzed. You were shocked for bad news. Bad news shocked you. It's not physical. Now you are being healed. There you go. Continue your thighs now. Eventually you will feel it everywhere. The power of God is upon you and you are being healed. You are being healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The Lord is showing me a couple that have been arguing. And you two are watching together. 
That's interesting. You have been watching together. There is so much hostility between the two of you. And the Lord says, stop it. Stop it. I'm giving you a new heart, the Lord says. He's giving you new hearts to be able to love one another. <laughs> love one another. Forgive each other. Forgive one another. There you go. Embrace one another and move forward. Come back to church. Come back to church. That's what you need. Rejoin the church. That is what will bring the total healing in your marriage. Come back to church. The Lord is moving in many ways through this, through this message, touching people, transforming hearts, healing people from ulcers, liver issues, even healing people from cancer. Put your hand in that part of your body that you are struggling with cancer. Put your hand there and lift up your other hand and just say with me, I believe God can heal me. Put your hand and say with me, say it. I say it out loud. Lord, heal me, please. I am healed in Jesus' name. Be healed, my friend. Be healed. Receive the power of God in your life. Receive the power of God in your life. You are healed. You are healed. You are healed. In Jesus' name. And the last word that I have is for someone. <laughs> you, you have been wondering about your scalp. You have been itching and you're wondering about your scalp. And the Lord says, all that was done just to show you that I am watching you. So you are going to be okay. It's not, it's not too difficult to fix it. But by saying these words right now to you, my friend, the Lord is telling you that he loves you. So the itching is going to stop. Don't worry about it. You are going to be fine. Praise the name of Jesus. Share your testimonies via email, please. I would love that. I would love to hear that, those testimonies. So I want to close this message, message by telling you something important. Is while you are waiting, you, you develop patience, right? But patience is not just sitting there doing nothing. My friend, patience is doing what you can. So today, you still have some hours available, do what you can today. Do what you can in the direction that the Lord is guiding you to move forward in your life. In the name of Jesus, receive the forgiveness of your sins. All that is required is to believe. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He is alive, that He came to give you eternal life? You are saved, my friend. Thank you so much for being here with me. This was the message saving time from Odessa, Texas. I say thank you to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, in the name of, of my congregation and my family. We say thank you and please share this message with anyone that you know. Saving time, worship service 281, March 13, 
2022 from Odessa, Texas. Thank you so much. Hey, 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 hey. That's all, that's all, that's all, folks. <laughs> Time to go home. <laughs> Ciao. By Giancarlo Vicitoro. I know you have suffered. But what if you would have never met your mom because she died giving birth to you? That's the beginning of Simon's story. Then Simon's father died when he was only 15 years old. He was sent to a foster home where he was bullied, humiliated, and there was no one to protect him. But Simon decided to find a way to get his revenge by studying and becoming good at sports. He won a scholarship, and soon he started his own business, Simon's Yardwork. Mean people were envious of his success, but one day, Simon met and fell in love with Jackie. They were happy, until the FBI arrested Simon due to clues that incriminated him with several murdered people. Will Simon end up in prison? Don't miss the outcome of this story, The Best Revenge, the musical that will inspire everyone to pay good for evil. Go to mygiancarlo.com to purchase The Best Revenge on audio and video.